it to uh, Second Chronicles seven fourteen. Second Chronicles seven, uh, chapter number or verse number fourteen. I'm going to do something a little bit different today, because um, I was I want to give an introduction to where I really believe the Lord wants us to go. I, I have to be honest. I I struggled over this for a lot of the week, just trying to figure out exactly what the Lord was saying, and I, I believe this is the direction he's got for us. Um, it was probably I was struggling because I, Satan didn't want me to hear this, <laughs> hear this direction. So I'm excited to, to, um, to kick this off. So um, as, we, as you're getting there, let me pray once again real quick. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to open your word and for us to hear. Um, Lord, I pray that you will do your work. Just show up and do your thing, Lord. It's, this is not about me. We just want to make a place where you want to come and join uh, us and to um, be a part. Lord, we want to be in your throne room, and we ask that you, we want you to come to us too. So I pray that you'll do that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Um, I'm going to tell you about a, a, rev, a revival time that in history, uh, and this is something I'm going to try to do each week uh, through this series, is to pick a, uh, not a time that was in the, in the Bible, but another instance of when God showed up and the Holy Spirit uh, moved in a, in, a, in a tremendous way. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about the Moravians, and I did not know a lot of this information. Um, John Huss was a, a, a priest back in the 1400s, and uh, he ended up being burned at the stake, but he, he really kind of started this idea that um, faith, uh, I'm sorry, that salvation can come by faith and we should really rely on the scriptures. And uh, that, that might sound familiar because that's what Martin Luther um, came up with. But um, there was a group of people after John Huss was burned at the stake they kind of adopted this, uh, and they were, um, uh, I'm sorry, when they, they were in the uh, Bohemia and Moravia um, area in Europe. And so this was about 60 years before Martin Luther, uh, the Moravians uh, banded together. Uh, they called themselves the, the un, un, you're going to have to help me with this, Karis, Unitas uh, Fraturum. So the United Brethren um, is, what they, is what they called themselves. And by the time Martin Luther came along, um, they had around 200,000 uh, members and around 400 parishes, uh, which I did not know. They, they had their own printing press. They had their own scripture um, that they had, had interpreted. They, they had their own catechism. Uh, and so before you know, Martin Luther kind of gets the fame, but they, they had it going. Um, way before, I say way, you know, 60 years or so before Martin Luther. Uh, they had kind of broken off and were really said, look, we need to be united in faith. We need to um, have the salvation that we, that we receive by faith. Uh, we need to be studying the scripture. You know, this is based on, on the Bible. It's not based uh, on a bunch of pract- other practices you get it from Scripture, and, and you get it through Jesus. And um, they had started this, this message. Um, now, 
then they end up facing a bunch of persecution. Um, the, of course, you know a lot of the history of, of the church. Um, I say the, the church, the big church, people end up fighting each other, uh, whether that's uh, the Catholics and the Lutherans or the Anabaptists and the Lutherans or Anabaptists and the Calvinists. You know, they all, they, they end up taking arms against each other and, and uh, this happened to the Moravians. So in the 1700s, uh, it was 1722, a small group of Moravians who had been persecuted, they, they found a place for themselves to kind of light. Uh, it was on the, um, the grounds of uh, Count Nicholas Ludwig von Zinzendorf. Don't ask me to try that again. Um, but uh, it was kind of his patronage, and they were all really... Yeah, most of the people were in their 20s. That's what uh, von Zinzendorf was at the time. But they were no longer this united brethren. Okay, they, they all had the same faith, sort of, but they, if you will, they kind of might look like the church does today to a huge extent. <laughs> they, they, there was a bunch of infighting. They, um, they weren't really in agreement on a lot of stuff. They, um, they were loosely connected but there wasn't a lot of unity, it didn't seem like. And uh, Zinzendorf, because of his patronage and, and kind of letting them uh, light on his land, ended up being their, their leader. And he's trying to figure it out because, you know, okay, what do I do with this people, with this, with this group, right? So he, um, he ends up uh, really, he, he was a, he's a man of prayer and of, of great, a great prayer, and um, in 1727, um, he really brought everybody together. This was July 16th of 1727, and said, look guys, um, let's covenant together to to um, unite under the scripture, and he, he had a whole thing that they, they actually said, okay, we're going, to, we're going to be at peace together, we're going to believe the same thing, and he actually had everybody sign this agreement in um, July 16th of 1727. On August the 5th, um, uh, it says that he spent the entire night in prayer with about 14 others. Count uh, von Zinzendorf. Spent, so he, sp- he spent the entire night with about 14 other people in prayer. On August the 10th, there was another pastor that was um, there. Uh, it says during the service, he was, he was completely overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. And uh, it said he ended up being in the dust. He, 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 was, he was just totally overcome by the Lord. And many others were overcome by the Lord in that service. And th- that happened about noon, and they went, they went till about midnight after that. So, um, so maybe next Sunday we'll, we'll finish up about midnight. Uh, is that all right? We'll start. <laughs> um, but then on August the 13th, 1727, this is when they actually mark that uh, revival starting. August the 13th, 1727, the entire group, uh, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them. And um, it was a time marked with uh, tre- the tremendous power of the Spirit. Um, they were all rekindled. They all just, uh, there began to be a, a real unity in the group that was not there before. I mean, it's, it's a unity that only God can bring. Um, on uh, August the 26th, there were 24 men 
and 24 women that got together and said, Let's, we're going to have an hourly prayer meeting. Uh, this, so this was August 26, 1727. By August the 27th, there was 77 of those people. And that prayer meeting uh, lasted 100 years around the clock. They, they, they um, divided up the hours, said, okay, Pastor Kevin, you've got 3 o'clock in the morning. You know, Joe, you're going to have 6 o'clock in the morning, right? Steve, you'll have this, and Janie, you'll have that. And they divided everything out so that for 24 hours a day, uh, somebody was praying um, every all, all that whole hour for 24 hours, 100 years worth. And then they, um, so they started sending missionaries out um, not too long after this and sent, I believe it was a, like a dozen missionaries to India, um, to, to the West Indies in 1732. Uh, they sent out their first missionaries to the West Indies. Um, so they, they began to be very, very missions-minded. They said, well, you know, we can't keep this in our, to ourselves. Let's send people out and, and, and um, give this out. Now, why, one reason this is very, very important and this, uh, this revival atmosphere and the, the idea that they have to send this out. And a lot of times they would, they would send people out all the time and people would stay back intentionally to work at home to support others going out. And they did this continually because um, it, was, it was a group effort. It wasn't, oh, um, David's going to go, you know, and, and Tom's going to go. And everybody just says, hey, great, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll pray for you. They, they said, no. You guys are going to go, so I, you know, um, other people, we're going to intentionally work so that you'll be supported and, and while you go. And then, then it'll, be, it'll be my turn, and oops, my mic's not over there. You know, you know I'm going to go, and Tim's going to go, and so, and you're like, oh, no, we're, we're going to stay here, and we're going to work so you all can go, and you'll be fully supported. Now, what happens is you end up having... Um, some of these Moravian missionaries that go to uh, England and end up going to the United States. They end up on a boat with John Wesley. They end up in a storm. That kind of sounds familiar. Everybody on the boat is, is kind of um, doing what I might be doing on the boat, going, we're going to die! And the Moravian missionaries are going, Let's sing a song. <laughs> and John Wesley goes up to them afterwards and said, Why were you not worried? How, how come you didn't think you were going to die? Why were you? He said, We don't fear death. And Wesley said, There's something different about these people. So um, Wesley, when he said his heart was strangely warmed, he was with uh, Moravian missionaries. He went to Moravian services. John, and, John Wesley and his brother and George Whitfield, they really um, became under the, uh, if you were, they, they, I, they got saved with Moravians. So the, the folks that came over to the United States and had some of the largest impact in the Great Awakening and the evangelization of the United States, it was a huge portion due to the Moravians that started in the 1700s. So we, are, we have a, a lot 
of history because of the revival that happened in 1727 with the Moravians. Huge impact here in the United States. And we'll learn more about some of that Great Awakening, first, second, third Great Awakening as we, as we go on. So the Holy Spirit started to move. And uh, in, in a group that they were persecuted, they were divided, they were not that good of a people, although they were believing, they were believers, but they weren't, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't the group that, that was like, oh man, we, we're made up of the movers and the shakers and everybody's, you know, it was, they were a mess, which gives us hope, right? That the, God, that the Lord um, can do the exact same thing right here. So, um, what? Um, let's look at Second Chronicles for just a minute. Um, and I need your all's help, because I've preached on this before, so I'm going to let you all preach this today, if that's all right. Who wants to go first? All right, Second Chronicles um, seven. Let's start in. Um, let's start in thirteen. I'm just going to read this, and I'm going to ask you all some questions. Um, verse thirteen: If I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, and my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Okay, so, Sam, I'm going to do this. Um, so I'm going to use this if from the verse 13, okay? So if my people, all right, who, so number one, um, who is talking here? God. Good. Who is he talking to? Solomon. Solomon. Very good. See, y'all, y'all did a good job. It's making this making it easy. Why? What is the response? Why is why is God talking to Solomon here? Say again. He's okay. He's dedicating the temple. All right. Okay. Or, or it's, I guess it's an if. Uh-huh. Uh huh. When I shut, or he's gonna, he's, he's preparing them. When the heavens are shut, and if there's no rain, and if there's pestilence, okay. He's telling you what you what you should do. <laughs> good. Very good. It's a it's a warning. Notice, yeah. So <clears throat> I'm going to ask that same thing. Who 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 shut up the heavens? Who sent the pestilence? Who sent the? Seems like it's a God. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, does anybody remember um, why God answers here? You have to go back a couple of chapters. So, you're right. It's at the dedication of the temple, and and Saul, uh, Saul not Saul, Solomon, um, had prayed. He got he got up. Um, he was up in front of everybody. They put him on kind of a dais, and uh, he prayed, asking the Lord. Um, to to hear from heaven, and to um, if the if the people were to stray, Lord, 
hear from heaven and forgive. And so this is God's response to Solomon's prayer of dedication. Okay? So if my, if my people... Okay, so who, who is this? I'm hearing different answers. Okay, let's do this. I'm trying to write big enough because oftentimes I don't. Okay, so this is who? Who's God talking about? Anybody called by his name? The church. The church? Okay. So at this point, you all are all kind of right, but at this point, it's Israel, right? Now, this is, he's talking about um, Israel, who is the people of God. Now, what we need to make sure, as we're reading this scripture, and as we are um, looking at that for us, I, I've heard, okay, no, nobody in here, okay, but I've heard people look at the world, look at the United States, look at wherever you are and say, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, God will hear from heaven and he'll heal our land, right? Now that might be an indirect happening, but notice this is his people, Right? It, it's, it's their land. It's not, at this point, the nations around them. This is, a, this is the holy people of God. Right? This is his, God's chosen kingdom, if you will. Okay? Now, why, why am I saying this? This is, I, I want to make sure that we all know that this is not a promise to America. Okay, it's not a promise to Canada. It's not a promise to Mexico. It's not a promise to um, Britain or France. It would be a promise to the people of God. Now, can those those nations around these people of God be influenced? You better hope they are, right? But it's it's for God's people, and we need to realize that just because everybody else is doesn't believe, we have a mission, right? So if my people who are called by my name, so what are they supposed to do? Humble themselves, mm-hmm. right? What's that? What, what's next? Pray. 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 Seek his face. And what? Okay, turn. What's that? Oh, yep. Humble themselves and pray. Seek my face. Turn from their wicked ways. And then you've got what? What comes next? Yes. Um, I'm going to put this over here. There goes the pill. Then. So, notice that these are connected, right? 
You got an if-then statement? By the way, is, is God faithful to his word? This, uh, this, is, this is not a trick question. Is God faithful to his word? Yes. If God, this, now who, who did I say this was, was talking here? God's talking, right? So if God says, if then, right, do you think that it's pretty much an if then? Okay. So we, we can, is this something we can bank on? Yes. All right. Just, just I, I know you guys knew that. I just want to make sure. All right. So if then, so what, what's, what's God going to do? So if then God will hear. Here, I'm just going to do this way. Forgive. And heal it. Yep. All right. Good job, guys. So when we're talking about revival, um, there's there's a lot of different definitions. And I wanted to do this first because this is one of the verses that people use a lot for, for revival. Okay, And we're going to see if, if the definitions that, that people talk about kind of fit in with this. Okay, Now, revival, I've, I've heard people say you, can't, you cannot read something that isn't vibed in the first place. <laughs> right? So... Most people say revival is um, a reigniting of the, of the people of God. Um, Stephen Olford says, Revival is the sovereign act of God in which he restores his own backsliding people to repentance, faith, and obedience. So the sovereign act of God in which he restores his own backsliding people to repentance, faith, and obedience. Um, Autry says revival is a reanimating. I like that reanimating of those who already possess life. It revives spiritual life, which is in a state of declension. Um, uh, Orr says, um, revival consists of breaking up fallow ground that's got overgrown. Okay? So, um, but let me, let me tell you a, a few, um, I don't want to say definitions, uh, but, let me, let's define some terms. You know, words are constructs, right? Everybody got that word? So a word doesn't, in and of itself, a word doesn't really mean anything. It only means what you give meaning to it. Let me give you, let me give you a good example. We were watching, anybody like Columbo? Yes. <laughs> we, were, we were watching a, we a Columbo not too long ago, and he was, uh, he, this, he was with um, a dog trainer. And this dog trainer was training some, uh, like German, a German shepherd, uh, as an attack dog, um, and uh, he was asking her, her about the training and, and what words she uses um, to uh, get the dog to attack. And she said, "Watch, I'll demonstrate." Uh, he was demonstrating the principle that I, I was just telling you about. Um, she called the dog's name and said, "Kill!" And he ran over and, and jumped up on Columbo and started licking his face. And he was, he was, he was, he was afraid he was going to get, you know, mauled to death. But she said, no, look, you can use whatever word you want. 
The dog doesn't know what the word is. The dog knows what he's trained to do at that certain word. You know, that's what words are to us, too. We just don't realize that we've been trained to associate something with that word. Right? So, um, revival, uh, let me tell you how it's, it's used a lot. Um, and really in three different terms, there's a, a process of renewal. Okay? People, renewal or um, refreshing. And some of the revivals, quote-unquote, um, people use revival for a whole broad range of stuff. Um, some of the ones in the recent history, you know, Toronto, Brownsville, um, Smithton, um, uh, there's a couple more. Uh, they, a, lot of peop- a lot of people have classified those more as renewals, um, where, where the Holy Spirit shows up and it's mainly a time for, the, uh, for church people to just get refreshed refreshed by the Holy Spirit. Um, so they, there hasn't been a huge impact outside of the church. Some, uh, but not, not a huge impact. It's just you know, a refreshing of the Holy Spirit that comes and uh, ministers to people. People get healed. People get set free. But it's, it's really just a, a refreshing time for the, um, for the people of God. Now, Revival, okay, so you got, I'll go from this side, you've got re- refreshing or renewal. You've got revival, which revival, as, as you can see here, um, there's a lot of humbling yourself, okay, and seeking God's face, turning from wicked ways. And the revivals that you, we will see in history, um, what, what you end up is, there is a, a getting away from sin, right? So you've got the, the, the people of God who have said, you know what, we, we're a mess. In some way, some form or fashion or another, we have mess in our heart. We have mess in our lives. We have mess with our relationships. We have, we have mess, mess with how we do church. We have mess with how we love one another. We have, less, okay, we have a mess and we're going to get rid of the mess. And it takes humbling yourself, and what, what that often means is confessing sin one to another. So what you will often see in history is this um, people just saying, look, I'm a mess in X, Y, and Z area, and I want to get rid of it. And confessing that, and, and the Lord, it's a move of God where people are doing this, and it brings a, a love and a unity. This isn't, it's not contrived. It's not something that you can work up. Okay, it's a move of the Holy Spirit where people are saying, look, I've got to get right before God. And in doing so, the, the entire church has, has a, a faith, a, a unity, a, and a focus on, on love and purity. And then what happens, and what, what most people are terming, term, terming with the revival, is it doesn't quite just stop at the church, though. All right, that it starts to, to spread beyond the church as it should. Because if we're if there's a focus on on doing the things of God, right? Right? Then one of the things that we should be doing is witnessing. Right? That's that's the Great Commission. So 
we would be amiss to focus on the things of God and, and discount what, you know, the, the commandment that, God, that Jesus gives before he ascends. That would be a huge, that would be a huge no-no. Okay, don't do that. So, you know, we, it's a, a focus on um, love and unity and getting right with the Lord, getting out of sin and, and following after the commands of, of Jesus. Okay, that's what revival, and then it starts to spread. Okay, it does spread outside of the original group that, that gets hit with this revival. Then you, let me take that one step, for, one step more, you have a refreshing, a renewal. Okay, you have revival, then you have awakening. Okay, and awakening happens when this revival spreads into the community to such a degree that the community itself is changed. All right? So the revival spreads into the community to such an extent that the community itself gets changed. Let me um, give you um, uh, an example of that. We'll see when we talk about the uh, Great Awakenings, uh, you know, and especially like the first Great Awakening, they they end up, um, the, the community itself will change. People get... So many people get saved in a community that um, the, the taverns would close down uh, a lot, right? And uh, they, they would have people just walking up and down the street, whereas they used to be, um, you know, angry and, and against one another. People would walk up and down the street just singing hymns and, and talking. And they'd, they'd, they'd have, uh, um, you know, nightly worship services and, and uh, you know, the, a sense of love in the community instead of a sense of, conflict the entire community get, gets changed there there are instances um even in the last uh, you know 20 30 years where um uh different communities this has happened to um in um um i'm blanking on the, the name of the town now uh i'll i'll find it it'll come to me in a minute but where you know the move of god would happen in such a degree to such a degree that like 80, 90% of the town gets saved. And uh, whereas they used to have lots of alcoholism, lots of bars, lots of um, people put in jail because of their getting drunk and getting in fights and whatnot, um, all the, the bars shut down. The jails close. They, they might leave one open just in, just in case, but there's no crime. Um, Amalanga, Guatemala is one place I'm thinking of. That um, they're 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 close to they're like over ninety percent of the entire town is saved now. Wow. They they have um, round the the year harvest. They have more harvest than anybody else, and they attribute it to the fact that they believe in the Lord and they believe that the Lord will give them good things. They they virtually all the um, cantinas have been shut down. There's no crime. They they had like a, I think it was like a dozen jails. They've all been shut except for maybe one, because they don't have any crime, because it, it's, it's moved from just a revival to an awakening where it impacts the entire um, community. Okay? So refreshing a renewal, revival, awakening. Okay? So just so that we can kind of talk um, in the same terms. Now, having said that, People use the term for revival for a whole lot of different things. It's kind of like love. You know, I love pizza. I love my wife. 
I love to play golf, you know. <laughs> you know, um, uh, I love rock and roll, you know, right? You know, people use love for revival. They use revival for a lot of stuff. We're going to have a revival service, right? It's a week. It's a week revival. I'm a revivalist. I, you know, um, you, you have so. But I will try to use them in this form. But you know what? If you, if you, I'm not going to fuss if anybody uses it differently. Just all right. It, and I, I will. I'll do it. I'll use it in different ways myself. But this is kind of more the technical. Um, so there, yeah, I'm not going to go over that. Um, we're going to be going over a bunch of the Old Testament revivals. Um, I won't, I've got a list of them here, but there's about 10 of them. Uh, and just see if they, um, see how they coincide a little bit. Sometimes they will, sometimes they won't as much. But um, one thing that, um, this is from uh, Wilbur Smith. He lists nine characteristics of great revivals. All right, and these are really a lot from um, the Old Testament. So most are pre- preceded by spiritual decline and despair. Okay. Each begins in the heart of one person. Each rests on a new and powerful proclamation of the Word of God. Each was marked by a return to the genuine worship of, 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 um, of Yahweh. So are, are these kind of lining up with this here? Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got the if part. Um, okay. Yeah, let me let me get. Um, so I don't know if you can see it in the chalk dust preceded uh, by spiritual decline. Spiritual decline. Is that okay? All right. Um, begins in the heart of one person. Let's see. Um, it rests on a new and powerful proclamation of the Word of God. Okay, um, accompanied by destruction. I'm sorry, mark this one. Uh, marked by return to genuine worship of of God. So um, genuine worship. Um, accompanied by destruction of idols. So you're going to see that in the Old Testament. Um, if anybody has any idols they want to bring in and we can just crush or what anybody have any idols? Okay. We know I don't expect anyone to have any physical idols, but you know what? Mm-hmm. There are idols that we have that we need to destroy. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, 
By the way, I, I did, I actually did have to destroy an idol one time. And um, that was an experience. Um, a deep sense of sin and desire to be separated from it. E Okay, so recognizing what sin is and saying, hey, I got to get out of this. Um, a return to offering of sacrifices. All right, so anybody have any lambs they could bring in? We will... Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, we. we <laughs> it's like. It's like I know where a lot of sheep are. <laughs> um, okay. We're, we're, we're not going to reinstitute sacrifice, but you know what? I do hope that we will. Um, that, that, you know, we offer a sacrifice of praise and worship. We lay ourselves down in many ways. You know, when we, when we give our, our, our time, talent, and treasure, you know, we are sacrificing that. Yeah. You don't get it back, right? I mean, God will bless you back in other ways. But, you know, it's a sacrifice. So we, it's not sacrificing the way they did, but we do have sacrifices that we will emphasize. Um, it brought an unbounded sense of joy and gladness. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Um, I'm running out of space. Okay, let's do joy. All right, um, joy and gladness, and then each was followed by a time of productivity and prosperity. Okay, productivity and prosperity. Okay? So that should be nine. One, two, three, four, five, six, eight. Yeah. I missed one? Probably missed one. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, oh, no, eight. I've been nine. I'm sorry. I nine. Okay, good. Um, Wilbur Smith. Yeah. Um, so now, did those. I'm running out of time. Um, does that line up a lot with the Second Chronicles passage? Mm-hmm. Right? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, acknowledge sin, pray, right? Seek my face, get out of their sin, okay? Follow after me, follow my commands, then I'll hear from heaven and I will I'll turn and heal their land. Productivity and prosperity. So, uh, as I mentioned, um, as we go through these, I want to include a um, uh, kind of a more um, contemporary revival. I say contemporary, even though it, you know it's been three hundred years since the uh, uh, Moravians, but something that's not not in the Bible. Okay, because 
look, we're, we're not in Bible times, even though there's a lot of things that <coughs> coincide. You know, we're not writing scripture here. Okay? But, so I want us to learn not only from the scripture, but I want us to see, look, this can happen to us. This is what God wants to happen to us. And um, it, this, it, this is for us. This is what God wants. It's just a matter of uh, if we are going to respond and respond in the way and at the right time that God wants, because it is partly about his timing, because it has to be him. It's not, it can't be contrived. It can't be something that we just work up. And if we all, if we all work up enough sweat and into a big enough frenzy, then something will happen. No, it's got to be God. It's got to be a move of God. But I believe that that's what he wants. In fact, um, I look back on it. The Lord gave me a word almost to the, it was this week, nine years ago, um, that the Lord, this is before we moved to Connecticut, and the Lord told, told me, and said, look, I am, I am sending you to New England for revival. That the Lord wants to bring revival to New England from, from all the way from the south all the way to the north. And that um, that's, that's what he wants. And that's the reason he brought us here uh, to this area is to, to see this revival, to be a catalyst and a, to take part in the revival that he's got for this area. Now, I believe we're primed. I, we, we were in a, we were, I was listening to a, um, a, an author a number of years ago. Um, he wrote the book called The, the Art of, of Pastoring. Um, great, uh, great little book. Um, I, I've asked you about that. You've, you've got that book, I believe, right? Because it is, um, it'll make you laugh, it'll make you cry. But uh, somebody asked him and, and said, um, we were having a little lunch together and said, you know, how do you see where the church is right now? And he said, you know, I see the, um, I see the, this um, day and age look more like the New Testament than any, anything, anything else. He said, there's, there's, a, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of mess out there. There's a lot of um, uh, different things going on in society. There's, you know, possible persecution. There's all, he said, with you know, postmodernism and, and all this. He said, he said, I think we're primed and ready for a great move of God. To look at all the stuff going on around us and not say, "Oh, it's awful." No, he said, "No, it looks more like more and more like the New Testament." I said, he said, "I think we're ready for a move of God. Let's let's look let's shift our focus to not look around at the mess and say, "Oh, we're we're in a terrible place." No, no, no. It's it's primed for a move of God. The question is, is is are we going to um, take hold of it ourselves and do everything that we can do? Now, it's up to God. It's got to be, it's his move, right? It's not our move. It's not the, it's not the move of, of, of us. It's the move of God. But there are things that we need to do to, to partner with him so that he'll say, okay, now it's time. All right? So um, we'll be going through some of these revivals, um, Old Testament, maybe there's a couple in the New Testament as well. Um, and uh, my heart, my, my hope, my prayer is that not only are we going to go through these and learn more and more about how God acts in the revival time, what, what, he, what our response is, what God's response is, but 
that we will do it. That I, my, my prayer is that, that it's God's timing, okay, and I don't have exactly the right, you know, my hope is that he's saying, yes, now it's time, and that we will do what is necessary on our part, and that those two will coincide, and then all of a sudden, God will show up and move. Amen. So let's let's have that in our hearts. And what I wanted what I wanted to do because um, you know it was um, it was a communion service that uh, Zinzendorf had with the people um, it, for the that started out the revival with the Moravians. It was a communion service, and so I wanted to. With that in mind, I wanted to I wanted to be able to tell the story first, and then let's let's uh, let's share communion together, and believe that um, in in the process in the in the act of of joining at the table with the Lord Jesus, that we'll be in His presence, and that um, He will move on our hearts both to um, convict us where we need to be convicted. Uh, to cleanse us where we need to be cleansed, and that he'll uh, he'll move it to bring love and unity, and a uh, just a sense of of his presence and sense of his purpose. Amen. So, let me pray. Lord, thank you so much. Lord, we remember that this none of this is possible without your death and burial and resurrection. We'd be stuck in our sins with no hope. But Lord, you brought hope. And Lord, there's, there's not only hope for us to be free from our sin and free from death, but there's hope in this life. Lord, we, we want to see revival, true refreshing come, revival and an awakening happen. And it starts right here. It starts with receiving from you that your death burial and resurrection made it all possible so Lord I pray right now that you will sanctify this table to not just be a table here on Main Street Willimantic but to be your table in heaven that we will eat from your table this morning that whatever we need in this life that you will provide it from your amazing table. And that these will just be a symbol of what is completely ready for us in heaven. So Lord, I pray that you'll let us touch you and experience you and receive from you this morning. And be with us, Lord. Let your, your spirit and your presence be manifest here in Jesus name Amen